Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. This episode from the Grace and Gigabytes book launch features the author Ryan Panzer and guest Jim Keat. Is uh, Jim Keat a professional Airstream driver? He's also the director of online innovation for Convergence, a diverse collective of faith-based leaders, learners, artists, activists, communities, and congregations. Uh, his, his productions of original media projects for the Riverside Church are excellent. I highly recommend checking them out, especially the project 30 Seconds or, or Less. Uh, Jim enjoys spending time with his wife, Chelsea, their son, Lauren, their two cats, Whitman and Wendell. And when the weather is warm, they enjoy visiting a new state park in their 16-foot Airstream and creating videos for their YouTube channel. So, Jim, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Glad to be here, Ryan, and it is so great to be with this fantastic group of people. Um, here's the Airstream, by the way. Well, no, this is just the pretend one. The, the real one's in winter storage because it's cold. I'm in Michigan, Whew. and I work in New York City, yes. Um, all right, like everyone else, I have a couple slides. Unlike everyone else, they're not nearly as fancy, so uh, pardon my simplicity, or you're welcome. Um, I'm Reverend Jim Keats. I'm the digital minister at the Riverside Church, in addition to a handful of other things I do when that's not keeping me busy enough. And I want to just talk about this for a minute. Uh, digital minister, now, you know, we're hearing that everywhere. We're, it's popping up all over the place. It's totally, and we're realizing it's a need. It, it, ironically, I took on this title at Riverside in the summer of 2019 before COVID-19 was in anyone's vocabulary, before Zoom church was the norm we're all used to. Uh, and, and it came, I'd been at Riverside at that time for about three years, working in and leading our communications team. I've been working in churches in New York for a while. I'd always had this itch for, you know, what does it look like for the church to take seriously the call to innovate and lean into these digital and technological spaces. And I just kept scratching that itch and finding places that would let me stretch my limbs and try something out. And so that summer, that spring actually, leading into that summer, I made the pitch to my boss and our senior minister at Riverside and said, well, I kind of gave them an ultimatum and said, my wife and I are leaving New York. We're going to live and travel in an Airstream. Please let me keep working for Riverside. Here's how I think I could do it. And I basically pitched the job. It didn't exist in our current imagination at Riverside, but I was, I was convinced it was something that both Riverside needed and maybe the wider church needed. Now, you might imagine Riverside's a 90-year-old place that likes to think it's about 900 years old sometimes, um, but really we're not that old compared to some of you Lutherans and Episcopals out there. But some of the congregants, some of the other staff were like, digital minister? What's that? Why do we need a digital minister? Well, fast forward to this past spring and the pandemic. Oh my God, thank goodness we have a digital minister. It's so fascinating to see the shift that we've come through as a culture. And as many people have already said during this afternoon, uh, people are finally coming to understand what some of us have been trying to convince them of for so long. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I just want to start with that to say, now we're in a space where the, the need for this is so prevalent, but you still might need to carve out what it looks like to step into those spaces. Because in, until Shamika starts teaching all of her courses and until, you know, Luther and who else and VTS starts getting all their seminaries up and running, there's not a ton of digital training for clergy. 
at least especially at the seminary level. So we're going to need to lean into this to recognize this holy digital ground that is, needs us to step into it even if the path hasn't been built for us to do it. As many uh, have said throughout history, we're going to make this path by walking it. And I'm so grateful to be on a call with so many of you as we walk it together. So that's that's who I am and what I do and why I'm here today, I think. And I'm just going to talk for a few minutes about three things, and then we'll have some time to chat together. Uh, we're going to talk about David Bowie, because why not? Then we're going to talk about The Little Mermaid, because obviously. And then we're going to talk about the incredible magic of a campfire. Oh, I got to check the thing so I can share my audio. Hold on. Optimize, share screen for video clip, optimize for sound. Haha, I'm not a Zoom rookie. Okay, first, we're going to start with the great prophet, David Bowie. This is from an interview in 1999. I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, when you think then about... Is there life on Mars? (laughs) Yes, it's just landed here. But that's, yeah. it's a simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment, where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so insimpatico, it's going to, it's going to crush our ideas of what m- mediums are all about. It's just a different delivery system, though. That's, that's what he said. Well, I think, I think all of us on this call could agree it's, it's a bit more than that. Uh, I'm a fan of re- remembering the great, another great prophet, Marshall McLuhan, who reminds us that the method is the message. The medium is the message. Uh, and and I, I love thinking that that conversation was 1999. You know, that was like the height of the dot-com bubble. We were all, you know, looking at a different impeachment back then, and all other, we didn't have a war to worry about, all these things. But, but then David Bowie had this insight to recognize that the, this technology is more than just a delivery system. The internet is not, I mean, it's been used as a, as a bulletin board. There's, there's great use on the great bulletin board, but even bulletin boards on the internet are so much more interactive. This is more than just, you know, the cork board in the social hall where people post their announcements. This is the social hall. This is the place where we come together. And I'm literally preaching to the choir, I know. But sometimes I think we need to remember these simple things that, that the internet is not just a new tube for connecting content. It's an entirely new way that the content is shared and experienced. The alien life has already landed. I really think that's a fantastic metaphor because it's it's more like if we can go, you know, Marvel's, um, you know, what what's the, oh, I can't remember. Oh, brain, completely losing it. The one where they pretended to be the people. It's not in the movies, it's in the comics. The aliens are here and we don't even know it. They've been here the entire time making their way among us. And I think the church is finally waking up to realize that this online space, this online entity is going to last, is going to be here for a while. And it's forcing us to rethink how we do 
maybe everything. For me, that, that, that even right there, how rethinking how we do everything, uh, no, no small task for us, comes even from a simple way in which we might talk about this stuff. Is it how to do church online? Or is it how to do online church? Now, I'll be honest, I spent a lot of time post-pandemic initial moments of saying how to do church online. And I have since kind of come to realize, I think that's not right. It's how to do online church, or at least it should be. Because how to do church online is simply telling you where it's happening. We're taking church and we're putting it online. We're having our church like we usually do, and we're sticking a camera in the back or in the corner or someplace, and we're putting it online. But how to do online church describes how you're doing it. It recognizes that the context of this online entity impacts what we do. You can't just copy and paste your in-person liturgies and throw them on the internet for a Zoom call. You have to rethink it for the container. I mean, imagine if you were taking your church service and taking it to the park. You would rethink some things because of the context. The internet is an entirely new context, inviting us to think in entirely new ways, which naturally leads us to The Little Mermaid. One of the greatest theologians of all time. Now, I like to think, why should the church be online? It's not because there's a pandemic and we have nothing else we can do. It's not because it's a cool new trend that we should all just try out. I think the church needs to intentionally lean into these online spaces because that's where the people are. This is where people show up. I remember when I was serving at a church in the East Village of New York, at this time, I didn't have a personal Facebook account. I was tired of Facebook. I had like a page to post stuff that I did online, but I got rid of the personal account. I didn't want that anymore. And then uh, one day, one of our congregants was mentioning to someone else about a prayer request they had posted. And I was like, wait, where did they post this? Oh, of course, they posted it on their Facebook page. But I wasn't able to be present with them because I was somehow snubbing my nose at Facebook. So ever since then, I've dove back into Facebook. You know, I, I, the necessary evil of ministry, I call it, because I want to show up where the people are. Now, I think this, this is helpful in my mind um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's just what incarnational ministry has always been. Ariel's not saying anything we haven't heard from the Gospel of John. The word made it, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's just what it means to be incarnational, to be where the people are. You don't stay off in some lofty heaven, but you get your feet dirt, dirty on the ground. That's what ministry's always been about. Uh, but it's made me think, if I want to be where my people are, I need to know where they are and then go there. So this, to me, does a practical thing. It relieves me from trying every toy on the internet. I no longer have to do all the things. In fact, I like to think rather than half-assing everything, I should just full-ass one or two things. So I don't have to try all the new social medias unless like, I just really want to try TikTok for some reason. I need to ask the question, where are my people? Where is my parish? And how can I show up to where they are? Consequently, you can ask, where am I fe feeling called to offer a public and prophetic theological voice? And you can offer that there as well, too, which might lead you into some uncharted territory. Your congregation might be on Facebook, but pu public theology might happen on Twitter. 
but ultimately wanting to be needing to be where your people are relieves you from being everywhere and lets you truly be in those necessary places for the ministries that you are called to. And, and this, of course, leads us to campfires. Come on, campfires. Share screen one more time. Yes. Now, I, I love campfires for a lot of reasons. Um, as Ryan mentioned, my wife and I have an Airstream. We spend a lot of time. We used to live full time in an Airstream. Uh, we spent about a year traveling along the East Coast, Myrtle Beach, Florida, Tennessee, then the pandemic happened, and then we had a baby. Here, here's here's the baby, by the way. Uh, and so we decided we didn't want to be traveling everywhere anymore because that was just kind of chaotic and stressful. So we have an apartment. I'm in the basement right now. Uh, but we traded it in, got a little Airstream, 16-footer, and we now have the goal of going to every single state park in Michigan. There are 74 of them, I think. We've gone to five so far this past fall. And during this Airstream adventure, I got really good at building campfires. Uh, it became a regular thing, especially this past fall and some colder camping. Uh, I do the log cabin method. I do the teepee method. I can do all of them. Uh, I like the log cabin the best. It lasts longer, I found. But my favorite thing is when you are traveling full-time in an Airstream or part-time, anytime at a campground, a campfire can become this space that's not just for you and your family, but it can become an easy invitation to invite others to join you as well. Or just even imagine... Anytime you see a campfire, you are just like, ooh, what's burning over there? I hope everything's okay. Yes, it is. Are there s'mores? Yes, there are. I'm definitely coming. Now, I'm convinced online content is the campfire of the internet. It's not the end. It's a means to the end. Because if I want to gather people in an online space for all, and cultivate an online community, if I just say, okay, everybody, be friends, maybe that'll stick to the wall. But if I give them something to gather around, that allows them to have a purpose to come together, and then their conversation and connection can go beyond the piece of content. So making online content, I love it. I do it all the time. I'm actually working on some podcasts right now for an Advent devotional series. But the point of it is to give people spaces for connection, for collaboration, to be co-conspirators in building new campfires together. And I think that's such an essential aspect of digital ministry, remembering that it's not just about having the slickest video, the best sounding podcast, the coolest whatever. It's about using these things so that people can make real connections. As Shamika said in the last session, virtual is not the opposite of real. It's the opposite of physical. They are both real. These online connections are real connections. So from my experience, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is creating online content so that it can help cultivate online community. Now, I find this in a couple of ways. I do a weekly video Bible study called The Word Made Fresh, where I take a look at an upcoming lectionary passage or lectionary theme, and I kind of unpack it and talk about it as a sermon prep and Bible study resource, allowing people to watch something and then have a conversation around it or have it be the, the talk that starts talks, the first step in an ongoing journey. Or another project, the one I'm editing now, is called Be Still and Go, Meditations for the Movement. This is a seasonal devotional podcast from Riverside. It started about three years ago as an experiment. I was like, hmm, I want to do a daily devotional podcast for the season of Lent. Yeah, every day. Why not? I'll give that a try. So I emailed a bunch of friends and got a bunch of contributors. We actually had 
Bishop Michael Curry on that first season, believe it or not. Uh, that was before he preached at the royal wedding, so his schedule wasn't quite as crazy as it was as it is now. And we started it three years ago in, in Lent, and then we said, that went great. Let's do it again in Advent. Hmm, that was fun. Let's do it again in Lent. So now we do it every Lent, every Advent, a summer or fall season in between. And more than just being a daily podcast for those seasons, that's become a way to invite others to build the campfire. We invite other voices to contribute, not just other pastors and faith leaders and our clergy at Riverside, other congregants, people who don't have formal theological training. We say, hey, you, come on, come stand up here in, the, in this digital pulpit. We want to hear a word from you as well. Because by inviting people to gather around these campfires to help build these campfires, we're giving them the space to have these needed and real connections with one another to cultivate their faith and their justice. This is nothing new because of the pandemic. This is what the church has needed to do since the internet kind of came into being back in the 80s, especially in the 90s when it started becoming that toddler walking around back in the early 2000s when it was a rebellious teenager. And now here she is, you know, a nice emerging adult in, the, in, these, in her 20s or so. Who knows what's going to come next? But I hope and I pray that the church is not waiting to catch up along the way, but we are right there every step seeing where God is taking us. So with that, I, I have the customary closing slide just to say, here's where you can find me. That, that's it. It's just my name.com. You, you, uh, you can find all the things. You can find the podcasts and the videos there too. So, and the, and the, the, the Airstream videos. I make Airstream videos. Well, thank you so much, Jim. That was uh, hysterically funny and also super informative. And I look forward to listening some of, to some of these podcasts uh, as it's frigid cold here in Wisconsin. So we could use some campfire as well.